For those who remember. For those who will never. Versus Larry Holmes. Let's go up to the. Jordan. Yes. So what do you say? Most likely a little punch shot, keeping it underneath the. No, the beard stays. You go. Oh, brutal. But he's no man. Descent. We are have 60 degrees of vertical rotation. The makers of Star Wars came out with a new movie. You'd watch it, right? And if the Rolling Stones put out a new album, you listen to it, right? And the Star Wars trilogy has always been about more than movies. It's merchandise. They made millions on all the toys, and now collectors are making a mint. Some toys have gone up more than 20 times their original price in less than 20 years. That's an out-of-this-world investment. The Star Wars Power of the Force Collection. Darth Vader leads an evil empire towards universal domination. Join a brave rebellion with Luke Skywalker, Han Solo and Chewbacca, and Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi. Can you stop the empire? Star Wars Power of the Force Collection from Kenner. Star Wars fans and roof milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 229 of Blast Points. This is Jason. This is Gabe. And this week we are going back to 1995 and the Power of the Force 2 figures. The often laughed at, misunderstood, mocked figures that restarted the Star Wars action figure line. They were the spark that lit the fire that made a lot of people have less money, but a lot of happiness. <laughs> Drove people insane, driving through blizzards to get C-3PO's. <laughs> a rumor that there's a C-3PO at a Toys R Us in the middle of January, Michigan blizzard. Well, if you have 3PO, he's shiny enough. If you got like trapped in a snowbank or something, they'd be able to find you based on him sparkling in the sun. So as long as you got the 3PO, it was worth it. Over here! But as much as they are made fun of nowadays, they do hold a very important place in not just the history of Star Wars toys, but just in Star Wars in general, kind of what they represent. It's kind of so important to even where we are today. It's like, yeah, when we did the history of Star Wars on home video a couple months ago, there's these pivotal points in Star Wars stuff 
that isn't the movies, the, the extra stuff that are like a, like a stoplight, like a go, like a green light for Star Wars fandom and bringing all kinds of new fans in. And yeah, in this, this period of time, 1995 was a, a real green light in Star Wars history. Lots of people were coming in. And for so many people, these, these Power of the Force figures, as weird and wacky and bizarre and ugly as they were, at least the first group, for a lot of people, this is their entry into this whole thing. Well, and they're also very tied closely with Blastpoint's history because they came out really right after you and I met and had moved in together and had begun our spiral into Star Wars madness <laughs> and began our, our hero's journey as we ventured out on our own and were learning how to live on our own and also go hunt for these figures and basically every minute that we had free that we weren't in school. So yeah, it, it rekindled something deep inside of us that uh, for good or bad still burns all these years later. And yeah, those, those figures are a big part of it. Yeah. We were 18 years old, freshmen at art school in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And this period of time for star Wars, like nine, let's say 94 into 95, I always think of it as probably the coolest Star Wars has ever been. Being crazy about Star Wars or wearing a Star Wars t-shirt was like the equivalent of like being into some secret indie band that was really cool. And like, well, you probably haven't heard of this band. <laughs> so I remember you'd go somewhere wearing like a Princess Leia t-shirt or something. And people would be like, what are those old movies? <laughs> you still like those? Didn't you see Stargate? But it is. It's. It was the tail end of what the almost the longest period since Star Wars existed of there not being much new Star Wars. I mean, maybe how many years after the prequels did we have? Well, no, we had the Clone Wars cartoon. So really, was that the only dark times where there was no stuff since 1977 till today? Was like. The late 80s into the early 90s. It was kind of, it was coming after the Zahn books because the Timothy Zahn books were early 90s. But that, again, was a whole different kind of group of people. Not everyone was into the Timothy Zahn books. And it was really kind of the the black box, the THX editions, those half-face VHS covers, the, that edition of the movies on VHS that really got people kind of freaking out again. And that goes with your whole idea of it being the coolest Star Wars ever was, too, because that was probably the most every Star Wars fan that was into Star Wars at the time agreed on stuff. As much as there's always been disagreements and hard feelings and strong opinions about the different films, I feel like that was the most unity time because it was kind of like, okay, cool. These are finally on widescreen on video Everyone's kind of enjoying seeing the movies again. Things are starting to come back out kind of before the special editions came out and people started to be grumpy. And then the prequels came out and people kept being grumpy. There was just this nice little period of a couple years where it was Star Wars was cool all around. Yeah. The only thing you'd hear is somebody saying, I don't like Ewoks. You'd be like, well, I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> Part of that, too, was the, the Internet was in its kind of prehistoric age at that time. 
the internet existed, but you know what was on it? I don't even remember barely anything. Uh, the, the there was the Force.net at Texas A and M University, which would be talking about rumors of the special edition coming out and what you were going to see and where David Prowse was doing a signing next or something. And for action figures, there was back then the only site kind of that I remember really was Sir Steve's. It was like Sir Steve's guide to Star Wars action figures. And he had like a photograph of every Star Wars action figure ever made. And he would have scoops on what the next wave of the power of the force was. And we would, I would get to the computer lab at my school every morning and be like, well, I'm going to check Sir Steve, you know, like people check like social media. Now it's like, what Sir Steve got to say, when's that Yoda figure coming out? But we're almost, I think getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Cause I feel like when the power of the force line first came out, we really didn't know anything about what was going on. And I want to say, how did we even, did we even know it was coming before we saw them in the stores or did we just stumble across them in a store one day? Yeah, I feel like somehow we knew they were coming. I don't know if that was because I had started buying Star Wars Insider around that time. I wonder if there was something in that. But the first look that anyone kind of had at these figures was in the April-May 1995 issue of Tomart's Action Figure Digest magazine which had an article about the New York Toy Fair from 1995. And it had a photo of the Luke Skywalker figure that was coming out. And this is back when Tomart's Action Figure Digest magazine, it would come out on like new comic book day along with comics and it would sell out instantly. Like you had to get there in the morning to get your copy of Tomart's Action Figure Digest to get the new pictures of the figures. (laughs) There were rumors that, oh, the Star Wars figures are out, and somebody saw one at a Kmart somewhere. And I didn't know this, but the Midwest was where they landed first, which makes total sense because I feel like we had people we went to school with telling us that they found figures like at Meyer, And didn't we like say, like, we've got to go to Meyer tonight? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's the whole thing with this line is it's like we got our first taste of, of blood and, and the thirst of we got to find these figures and the, the good and bad thing for us being where we were in, in Grand Rapids in Michigan was there was a lot of Meyer, which if you don't, I think they've moved around the country a little bit, but it's more of a Midwest store, but it, it's a 24 hour. It's not really a department store. What is it? It's like a grocery store. It's like what a super target would be, but they were 24 hours. So, you know, whenever the mood struck you, you could go and see what they had. And I think, I feel like in those days there wasn't necessarily a set time they would put stuff out. So sometimes you'd find things in the middle of the night, sometimes during the day. And there were, how how many Meyer were there around us? There was like three, weren't there? There was multiple. So yeah, three or four. Yeah. Basically that was the beginning of whenever we had free time, let's hit as many Meyer as we can and see if we can find these figures. Because I clearly remember us going to Meyer, and it was late at night one night, and we were like, well, let's just check and see if those new Star Wars figures we heard about people are finding, if, we, if they have them here. And we got to the section, and they had all of them. And we were losing our minds, and we were like <laughs> 18, 19 years old. We had maybe $30 
that we had to buy food with. And we were like, okay, we can only get one figure, maybe two. Which ones do we get? Well, I want to say wasn't all of them at that point was like three or four different figures, too, because they all didn't come out right away. Because I know we didn't see a stormtrooper for a while. We freaked out when we finally saw a stormtrooper because we'd heard that they were coming. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like absolute chaos compared to how much information we have at our fingertips about whether things are out and what to look for and what is coming. Because it's a little different than, I mean, when we were kids in with the original line, you know, you didn't necessarily know what was coming. But there was just so much more stuff in the store that there was a few figures that you wouldn't see very often, but there was always a lot of stuff where when Power of the Force came out, sometimes there would literally be like one figure on the shelf. You didn't know if they were getting more or I just felt like we never knew what was going on, (laughs) which made it all the crazier. Well, and we felt like too, this is possibly the one and only chance we will have to buy Star Wars figures (laughs) for the rest of our lives. Because it was, it was such a unique period of time because everyone was so excited. And not just about the special editions coming out. Like, really, it's like, I always think of it like the like the opening to Mission Impossible. And the match is lit. And the little fuse keeps going all the way down. And the end of the fuse is episode one, where it was still kind of this foggy nebulous thing but we knew it was coming there was on the the leonard moulton interviews on those vhs tapes where lucas is like i'm writing them it's gonna happen it's either 98 or 99 and we were like oh my god that's just three four years away (laughs) i'm not ready i've got to buy more figures then maybe i will be ready for this i have so much life to live before star wars comes back Nobody does Star Wars like the power of the Force from Kenner. Straight from the new Star Wars Special Edition come the Creature Figure 2-packs. Now you're a Sand Trooper aboard the massive reptilian Dubak searching for rebel droids on Tatooine. Next, enter Mos Eisley as you and the Jawas command the Ronto. This beast of burden carries a heavy load, but only when it wants to. And waiting beneath the Millennium Falcon, Jabba the Hutt, as Han Solo bargained for your life with this vile gangster. Nobody does Star Wars like the power of the Force. Right here, Jabba. Two-packs come with exclusive figure. Other figures and vehicles each sold separately from Kenner. Well, like we were saying, too, the big thing with these figures that people still talk about with these figures, though, is the fact how muscular they were, how weird and super muscular and crazy they were. But you've got to think, though, with those, that was the style at the time. Like you look at the the X-Men figures that I think, what was it, Mattel maybe was making? I'm probably wrong. But they were like huge and muscular. And... The influence of Todd McFarlane. McFarlane toys were huge. We were buying Spawn figures, and we didn't even really care about Spawn all that much. (laughs) But you were buying Spawn figures just because they looked so cool. It's interesting, too, because it's one of those things that have always been there with the toys, but seems more of a thing nowadays of they originally were made for kids, 
and they were made for what they thought kids would like. But older kids in their late teens and 20s and adult collectors began to be interested in them. And you kind of had that dynamic that Star Wars stuff and toys do have where is it for the kids who want to play with it or is it for the collectors and the things that kids want and the things that collectors want aren't necessarily the same and there's always that dilemma of who are they gearing them towards and who is going to be buying them and if I was a little kid I would probably want a super muscle man Luke but as an older collector I could totally see where this doesn't look like my older figures so I don't like it. But in hindsight, it's kind of nice going back to that first wave of the muscle ones just because they are different and it's kind of neat to see. And, and over the years, we've kind of started to get a little bit of kind of more stylized lines like with the play school figures and, and the, uh, you know, with the Disney Infinity figures that now turned into the, what is it, the Disney toy box line that people can kind of appreciate a more stylized take on the on the characters but for so long yeah i think everyone was just used to what the original kind of vintage figure look was that people just weren't uh, older fans just weren't ready for anything that was different and that's kind of a reoccurring theme with star wars throughout the years hmm, yeah it's like where have i heard that before right Tim Hall, who was the, the team leader for Kenner's Star Wars design team in 95, he said in an interview on StarWars.com in 2015 that, yeah, the biggest discussions they had back then were the, the importance of balancing the needs of collectors with those of kids. And he, he defended the figure saying they had the, quote, heroism and excitement that kids wanted in toys back then. Because, yeah, it makes sense. It was... The early mid '90s, where there was GI Joe Extreme on the shelf, and everything was to the extreme and totally maxed out. And well, and you got to think there were young kids who knew what Star Wars was, and there were young kids who didn't because they were too young, and they may have only seen these figures in the store and thought, "Well, this this looks cool. What's this Star Wars thing?" And you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of people that that was their first exposure to Star Wars, was just seeing these figures on the shelves. And and being probably disappointed when they watched the movies that Luke was so puny and weak. <laughs> Part of the whole thing, too, is that the figures were packed just one per box. So it was, it was really, like, maybe when we went to Meyer that one night, maybe they had Vaders and Stormtroopers and stuff. And somebody could have bought those already because they were they were scarce. There weren't that many out there. And it was a real hunt during that period of time. I mean, I know I bought a Princess Leia figure from our friend Colin in the lobby of our school for $30 cash. So I was just like, well, I got to have a Leia. Well, and, and those, some of those figures were like, I feel like Leia was really hard to find. Stormtroopers were hard to find. Lando was impossible to find. And it was the idea that you'd hear rumors that, oh, these ones are going to get discontinued or they only made a limited number because a lot of information would maybe come from the local comic shop where they happen to have one that they were trying to sell you and, and they're not necessarily giving you correct information if they even know the real information. And it was like maybe online there was some information, but even information online was kind of all hearsay and rumor. So you didn't always make the best decisions. I feel like you're leading to my Lando story. 
and my 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 speeder bike. You maybe. Go ahead. You were with me. Go ahead. Well, that's I didn't realize you paid that much for Leia because I always make fun of you because you did pay I think thirty dollars for a Lando because we had never seen one ever at the store. And we finally saw one at the comic shop. And, and as far as we knew, that was the only Lando we would ever see for the rest of our lives. So you, you had to make a tough decision and you bought it. And I believe, what didn't you buy? They had speeder bikes that were like from Canada. So they, they were in French. Where did I have this money? I don't even know what I was doing with all this money. I think you charged it and toy, tried to tell your parents it was art supplies. <laughs> yeah, it's reference. Now, there's another figure that's more valuable than many of these, and it wasn't even sold in stores. And this was a mail-in through Fruit Loops cereal. I believe it was a matter of so many uh, box tops and $5, and uh, it gave you one of these. And now it's worth? And now we're talking uh, between $70 and $90. Today, people are buying two of everything. One that they can play with, and, uh, and they want to touch it. They want to touch it. And the other one is the one that uh, that will build up the value uh, down the years. An old X-wing fighter can land you more than 150 bucks, and those little plastic figures can bring in even more money. Try $299 for Luke Skywalker in his Stormtrooper disguise. Be on the lookout for rare figures like Barada and Blue Snaggletooth, sold in Europe and Canada, and Han Solo in his icy tomb. It's $259. It's extremely hard to get because usually. What's happening is you have either Han Solo or the base, but you don't have both. So how did these figures come about? How did it happen? Like we said, it was it was the green light period. It was the coolest Star Wars that has ever been. But it's like, which came first? The VHS box set? The figures? How did it all go down? And how did these figures end up back on the shelves? Well, one of the most probably interesting parts of the story is just the idea that Kenner kind of let their license to Star Wars expire because they had been purchased by Hasbro in 1991. And Hasbro just assumed they didn't have to pay that license because they wanted to save money. They weren't making any Star Wars toys. And during that time, Galoob had gotten the Star Wars license and started making Star Wars stuff. And at some point Hasbro realized, well, they wanted to make Star Wars figures too, but they had to renegotiate the license because they had let their previous license, which was for some super tiny amount of money because they, they got the license, what, before the movies, the original movies had even come out. So they spent a lot of money to get the license back. And at that point kind of needed to start making some stuff to start getting some money back because they spent so much to get the license back. Yeah, so these figures were kind of rushed out in 1995, where they're, we were still two years away from the special editions. We were four years away from the first new Star Wars movie. And even, you know, the special editions were a real gamble. Nobody knew that those, like, why would anyone want to go see this 20-year-old movie again to see some new do-backs and a digital Java? It was mania for these figures when they came out. Like, it was on the news. It was on... The front page of the Wall Street Journal, June 24th, 1995, that an 11-year-old boy from Ann Arbor, Michigan, one young Killian Ellison. Killian Ellison, if you're listening, please contact us. 
But he is interviewed on the front page of the Wall Street Journal that he paid $55 for a Princess Leia figure. And his quote was, so I'll just have to mow a few more lawns. That's a, that's a kid with his head on straight. But there, there's a whole article. It's in Star Wars Galaxy magazine from the summer of 96 when they're starting to get to Shouse of the Empire era figures where it's like the, the heads of like Kenner and Hasbro being like, we're going to catch up with demand and we're going to start getting more product on shelves. And we know that how badly people want these figures. Shadows of the Empire figures. Dash Randar and Prince Gizor. <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to have tons of them for everybody. They had plenty of Prince Gizors. One, a big reason, I think, for part of the demand and people going crazy buying these figures was right around this time, too, like the old figures from the 70s and 80s were finally kind of starting to be worth something. Like all this stuff people were selling at garage sales in the late 80s was suddenly like worth hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And I think there were a lot of people who thought that these new figures, just because they were Star Wars figures, were also going to be worth a lot of money. I mean, yeah, I remember when we went to that Star Wars convention in Dearborn, Michigan, the, the men behind the mass, and they had two Jedi Lukes sitting out. And one, remember this, one was like 20 bucks. And one was like a hundred bucks. And I remember asking the guy like, well, what's the difference? And he's like, that one's got the long saber and that one doesn't. <laughs> but yeah, there was all these like long sabers, short sabers, Luke with a, a gray vest, Luke with a black vest. And there's driving people insane. And the prices on these figures back then were totally nuts. When it was, it was the whole kind of comic book collecting mentality too of well i'm gonna buy one to open and one or two to keep in the package and it wasn't just a few kind of hardcore collectors doing that it was kind of like everyone or at least a lot of people kind of had that mindset because they did think well the old figures are worth money these are going to be worth money too so i can't just buy one i gotta buy two or three of each figure which again made it even harder for people to find them which fed into the idea that these are going to be worth a lot of money because they're hard to find because everybody's buying two or three of them. Which we had a rude awakening with that kind of thinking, right? Well, there was a day when we were at a Target in Grand Rapids, right? And we, we ran into a, a rather salty, <laughs> salty gentleman <laughs> who we struck up a conversation with and he asked us what we what were we looking for? And we mentioned that we'd been looking all over for the the Yoda figure, because that had just come out. And he proceeded to tell us that we'll never find a Yoda because he gets them all. <laughs> when him and his buddy, like whatever, there was like Boba Fett's there on the shelf and they were ripping the cards, like ripping the, the edges off the cards at a Target. And I was like, oh, there's Boba Fett. I'm going to get that. And he's like, well, you know, you're getting that. The card's ripped. It's not worth anything. And I was like, I opened my figures. Thank you very much. The good old days. But kind of as the line kept going and as the popularity never, ever, ever slowed down, they started making figures that the original line never did. Like they started making cantina aliens or like Greedo in the actual clothes Greedo wore in the movie. Or they'd make a new Hammerhead figure, but he wasn't called Hammerhead anymore. He was like Mamau Nadan. And we learned that, like, the Wolfman's name is Lax Sivrak. And pulling all these things in from, like, the Tales from the Most Eisley Cantina book and stuff. And you're like, okay, I guess that's his name. I guess he's Mamau Nadan. I guess he's not Hammerhead anymore. 
Well, and it really did feel once they got the ball rolling that these figures were coming out at hyperspeed and that there was a new wave. It's like every time you went to the store, it seemed like there was a new wave. Ultimately, in what, was it two years it took them to match the entire original line of figures? They had more figures in those first two years than the entirety of the original trilogy when toys were coming out? Yeah, by Christmas 97, Hasbro had made 101 Star Wars figures, which is more than the original Kenner line from the 70s and 80s, which is just crazy. When I still remember us joking at one point, there were so many figures coming out and we were like, how are they going to keep, what are they going to keep making? And I was like, they keep, how are they going to keep, they keep making Chewbacca's what's next? Are they going to make cold Chewbacca from Empire? And sure enough, like a few months later, they made cold Chewbacca from Empire Strikes Back where they just airbrushed some snow on him. When they started making figures from the expanded universe, they were making Kyle Katarn and Mara Jade figures and Luke from the Dark Empire comics. And people were buying everything. That That's the thing. People were buying anything and everything just if it had the name Star Wars on it. Cold Chewbacca didn't even matter. Yeah, I think I bought cold Chewbacca. <laughs> just just because to reward them for making it. <laughs> but it really was great that they were kind of so crazy about making so many figures because we really did there were some true gifts to us in these set because we got an Owen and Baru figure. We got things that we never thought that we would ever get an action figure for. And I think got to the point where it didn't seem like anything was off the table and that there was no figure that was too no character that was too obscure or too strange or too weird that at some point they would make anyone that was on screen for more than a half a second and they almost did yeah like it's crazy to think that this this line gave us our first ever mon mothma figure and and aunt baru which i remember both of those were huge deals for me it was like i've got to get the baru she comes with a canister of her milk or like when they made a Wedge figure, or Biggs, or Tarkin, or Gerindian. Yeah, all, all of our buddies <laughs> were showing up in store shelves. Yeah, the muscles, though, eventually started to tone down a little bit. The figures started to look more actually like the characters from the films. <laughs> they started making more vehicles and kind of, I feel like once we got into 97 and we got to the special editions that they had found kind of the right groove of collectors and stuff for the kids. But it's kind of weird that they're, you know, looking back at this whole era of Star Wars figures, like this kind of relaunch in the mid-90s. There's no, like, rocket-firing Boba Fett. There's no super rare figure that kind of is the holy grail of collecting of this era. Yeah, because really none of these figures are at this point yeah super in demand super collectible i mean there might be some that are more expensive than others but you can kind of get everything if you want it it was a thing too at celebration chicago that all of a sudden everyone was bringing their phantom menace figures back out which was great to see and they were selling left and right like i remember when we showed up on thursday and we were like look at all these phantom menace figures and then by sunday or monday it's like all those phantom menace figures are all gone people bought them all it's crazy but these figures kind of 
like we said in the beginning, are still frowned upon. The weird muscle Luke and stuff. They've never kind of had their cool renaissance, really. (laughs) But like I said earlier, what's kind of, I think, nice in hindsight is, you know, because a lot of the figures that were made that didn't, that were maybe a little goofy, have been remade two or three times since then. So if you want, like, the ultimate screen accurate looking version of a particular character there's probably a newer figure to get but because of that i think some of these older ones kind of have a charm to them because they are stylized and kind of abstract in a way it's like an (laughs) and they almost are more you know it's like a piece of art it's not like i have a you know a reproduction of luke from the movie in miniature form i have this i found it in a cave somewhere and it's like some prehistoric man carved this next to a campfire while he was eating a wolf that he just killed version of luke and there's i know there's something special about that i don't know i say they go back and do the mandalorian super bulked up version do 95 style just a limited run or do a Black Series size versions of these. Oh, that would be nice. Give me a six-inch super beefcake Luke Skywalker with the chest rocking out. And, <laughs> and like an eight-inch long lightsaber. Yeah, I mean, for us, super special memories of that time, that super exciting time. And yeah, and for so many, this was their this was their Star Wars. This was their period of time where they were watching the movies on video. For the very first time. And you could go to the store and get these figures. And who cares if they're big and bulky? We didn't. No, I wouldn't trade that time for anything. And it was. It was a lot of people's introduction to collecting toys. And some of those people moved on to collecting other types of toys. It was a lot of people's first time they could collect Star Wars anything, really. And a lot of those people are still collecting stuff to this day. And... It was a great way to get your Star Wars fix during the build-up to the special editions and then ultimately up to the release of Episode One. And there definitely would not have been the ridiculous amount of hype and merchandise for Phantom Menace if these figures weren't so popular and so successful and had just kind of whipped everyone into a Star Wars frenzy for five years prior to episode one coming out in 99. Nobody does Star Wars like the power of the Force from Kenner. The biggest, most realistic force in the universe. Only the power of the Force brings you the biggest heroes and villains straight from the movies and the largest fleet of full-scale vehicles ever. We bring you the real movie detail of the Rebel Snowspeeder, the blazing lights of the Luke Skywalker lightsaber, and the big movie sounds of the X-Wing. When it comes to big size, big detail, and big movie sounds, now you're playing with the power. Star Wars, power of the Force. Figures and vehicles each sold separately. Barriers not included, only from Kenner. All right, well, you've heard our stories with these beautiful Power of the Force 2 figures. We put the call out to you folks, the listeners, to share your Power of the Force stories. So let's let's listen to some of them. Let's start with one from Nick. Let's hear what Nick has to say. Hey, Jason and Gabe. Nick Tierce here. 
As a kid growing up in the 90s, I knew Star Wars through my father's Laserdisc copies and whatever toys I could find at local antique shops and secondhand stores. And by the time Power of the Force 2 rolled around, my eight-year-old mind did not respond to that aesthetic. Uh, I did not understand why these characters all had bulging muscles and V-shaped torsos, and I just could not get into it. That all changed, though, when I saw the back of that Fruit Loops box, and it had the ad for the mail-away Han Solo in Stormtrooper disguise. And I just thought that was the greatest thing. I mailed away my proofs of purchase, and it was really my first kind of experience of waiting at the mailbox for something as a kid. And when that thing came in, I loved it. I thought the fact that you could put the helmet on and take it off was just great. And it was sort of a gateway into the rest of the line, which I I was willing to dip my toe into a little bit further, including some of the role play items. I loved those lightsaber toys that they released and even some of the Shadows of the Empire figures and vehicles uh, as I was starting to get into video games. So I do have a lot of fond memories of the Power of the Force 2 line, and most of them center around that magnificent Han Solo mail-away Fruit Loops figure, and it will always hold a very special place in the heart of this Star Wars fan. That's good stuff. Do you remember I called, Was it, I think I called like General Mills? <laughs> yes. Because I felt like my Han Solo in a Stormtrooper disguise figure was taking too long, and I'm like, where is it? I need it now. I feel like we've talked about this on the show multiple times, but yeah, we have very strong feelings about the the Han in Stormtrooper disguise. Yeah, you calling and then me being so frustrated that I never found Luke with in Stormtrooper disguise that I just, I think, bought another Han because it was easier to get the mail order one. And then I, I literally cut his head off and glued on the head from another Luke so that I would have a Luke and Han in Stormtrooper disguise. So... A lot of good feelings about the uh, the mail away, and yeah, it's you just can't get that excitement of a mail away figure any other way, and and that is one thing that I I miss that they haven't done for so long. Of just, I mean, I guess a lot of people buy their toys online now, so you get a little bit of that feeling. But th- this the whole idea of sending these, buying other things and sending the proofs of purchase or whatever in to get this technically free figure that takes. Six to eight weeks, which ends up being like two to four months <laughs> of waiting. Maybe today's the day. Uh, okay, let's hear what uh, let's hear what Mike has to say. Hey, Jason and Gabe, this is Mike McDonald from the Sandcrawler Podcast, and Power of the Force basically got me back into Star Wars. So I was I was nine when A New Hope came out in '77. So by the time Empire came out, I was going on twelve. Basically, that meant that I was done playing with Star Wars toys, and really after Return of the Jedi, I'm in high school, I've grown out of toys and everything that went with it, and got interested in things like punk rock and girls. So in the 90s, I was slowly getting back into Star Wars after reading Steve Sansweet's Screen to Collectibles book, and then when that that first box set of the VHS, uh, the OT, those were the two things that sort of got the spark back for Star Wars for me. And by, by then I'm, I'm an adult. Um, but it was the day in 1995 that I opened up a Star Wars Galaxy magazine and saw the announcement for new action figures. Um, I didn't really react much to the beefed up sculpts. I was 29 at the time and figured it, it must be what the kids like. So what do I know? Uh, but I was hooked. 
and I had only collected the original 21 Kenner figures as a kid. And to suddenly see wave after wave of like new characters that we didn't get uh, back in 78 with Tarkin being an obvious favorite, I was hooked and I've been collecting Star Wars figures ever since. So Power of the Force has a very special place in my heart because it's what started an obsession that's been going on now for 24 years. That's the power of the Force. (laughs) It's a dangerous power. Mike makes a really good point, something we forgot. Those Sansweet books. Those played an important part of really lighting the flame, too, because those guys, oh, look at all these pictures. Look at all these stories. Who is this Steve Sansweet? What? He's on QVC. It was, yeah, it was all. Well, it's worth mentioning, too, the two newer Sansweet figure books, the the silver cover one, and then there was one with just a bunch of figures on it that kind of have so many of these figures just pictures of them in book form. And if you, you know, if you didn't get to collect them all in person as real toys, just thumbing through those books and looking at the pictures is a good way to get your, your power of the force fix without having to leave your house and spend a lot of money. Let's hear from Jake. What kids today don't understand is that there was a star Wars drought from 1983 to the mid 1990s. I was born in 1982, and so by the time I was playing with the action figures, the Star Wars ones were nowhere to be found. Occasionally, you might find some loose figures at a garage sale or something like that, but that was it. And then in 1995, all of a sudden, there were brand new Kenner Star Wars Power of the Force action figures waiting for you on the shelves at Meyer. However, my personal favorite figure from the whole line was not found on the shelves of Meyer. But instead, you had to send in six UPCs to Frito-Lay to get the exclusive Spirit of Obi-Wan Kenobi action figure, which was the coolest action figure of an incredibly cool Star Wars line of toys. That's a good point. Because Power of the Force was the the introduction of the action figures made out of toothpaste. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Did you have did you have that uh, that Frito-Lay? Spirit of Obi-Wan figure? Because I remember people were losing their damn minds over that Spirit of Obi-Wan figure. I think I do. I think I have, because who, I can't even off the top of my head think of, they made a, a bunch of different Spirit of People figures, but that was the first one. I I want to say I have it. I don't. It just, they make me want to brush my teeth whenever I, whenever I see them. And that's not a bad thing. No. Dental hygiene is very important. Maybe that's you know why I got I'm lucky I have good teeth because I think about the Obi Wan spirit figure and it just makes me want to put a little bit of that spirit on my toothbrush and and brush my teeth. <laughs> Go with your feelings. <laughs> Let, let's hear what uh, J A had to say here. Hi guys, Jay Tronic here. I think the Power of the Force two line gets a bad rap because of the muscular look of the early waves of the figures. Um, To appreciate the line, I think we should look beyond that to the later waves and look and see how the sculpts really improved. Um, We got a lot of great alien figures, and if we look at the ComTech wave or the Expanding Universe wave, we can see some really nice sculpting and um, paint jobs on those figures. There's really a lot to be appreciated with that line. These figures were uh, very durable. They could stand on their own. Um, They came with decent accessories. 
I was never a fan of the packaging at all. I wish they had gone with a more retro look, sort of the thing we see today in collecting. But overall, I think that the Power of the Force 2 line gave collectors something to look forward to um, and a way to continue their collecting from some of the older people, anyway, from the old vintage stuff. When it comes to my favorite Power of the Force 2 toy, I'd have to look at the Rancor and Luke Skywalker 2-pack. First of all, the Luke Skywalker figure that came with this two-pack was very nice. Uh, it was a bit of a better sculpt than the earlier Power of the Force 2 figures. had a thinner body, less of the bodybuilder look. The Rancor itself is great. It was very big, great sculpting, great paint apps, very solid toy to either play with or set up. This was one of the nicer pieces that Kenner slash Hasbro did. Uh, thanks a lot for the great podcast, guys, and keep up the great work. The packaging was always kind of weird, wasn't it? I don't know. I was just thinking about that, though, that that was something else with this line, I think, though, that was it was different than the old packaging, but it kind of set the trend for a long time after with the whole cutting the package to match the artwork. You know how they were kind of cut to look like Darth Vader's head? That that kind of is still a big part of a lot of toy packaging today and in and again it was something that was maybe different than what fans were used to but it's kind of become a signature thing i don't know i i kind of liked it yeah i just remember the the little sticker on the side with a picture of the figure and just flipping through okay no 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 there's something in the back <laughs> okay let's hear what andrew had to say about the power of the force Hey, Jason and Gabe. This is Andy from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Power of the Force. Wow, where do I start? It was kind of the first line that I was able to fully collect. Every birthday, Christmas, Easter, my mom and grandma would buy me the same figure, one so I could open it and one to keep in the box. I still have a giant Tupperware box down in the basement of so many power of the force on card that i sometimes take them out look at them the packaging just stood out back in the day aside from luke han leia and vader taking steroids getting huge um these were the first figures where the actual weapons looked like they did in the movies and we had like accurate lightsabers and uh vehicles that i could actually get that worked because my cousin's hand-me-down uh, star wars toys while they were great, they, uh, you know, nothing worked anymore by the time I had gotten them. So, um, anyway, Power of the Force holds a really special spot for me. Again, it was the first kind of huge Star Wars fandom moment after a drought for some time in terms of action figures. And um, it kind of has not stopped since then. I've picked up various action figures here or there, still by Star Wars Black Series moving on to other collectibles and books and art books and stuff. So um, I'd say Power of the Force was super influential in my collecting and my Star Wars uh, love. So anyway, thanks, guys, for doing this. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks again for having the best Facebook group that's out there and look forward to more uh, Jedi Club in the fall. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, and it goes hand in hand, right? Like good to bring up too, because that's something we didn't talk about earlier, just how good the accessories were and that not all of them were exactly from the movie. Cause they would, you know, they're toys. So everyone had extra guns and things, but 
the fact that we did finally get lightsabers that were the right color and had hilts that were looked like they were metal and that was really cool yeah because i'm trying to think of like return the jedi luke what did that lightsaber even look like yeah wasn't it just all green like even the handle was green it's funny because i think as a kid i must have immediately lost his lightsaber (laughs) because i can't ever remember seeing my luke holding his lightsaber but yeah it was literally a piece of green plastic it looked like a green like kendo sword or something where it was just carved out of plastic the day they did those attack the clones figures with the metal base of the lightsabers and magnets in the figure's hand i shed a little tear so i was like i'll never lose a lightsaber again <laughs> i i think about those every couple weeks i just wake up in the middle of the night and i'm like oh remember those Attack of the Clones, metal lightsabers with magnet hands. <laughs> All right. Let's hear from Justin. Hey, guys. This is uh, Justin Rakowski. Uh, so Power of the Force line. Wow. So what can I say? I really, really like this line. And I know it gets a lot of flack, but I was born in 1985, and I had an older brother who – you know, had the Star Wars toys from the original Kenner line. So I grew up with basically hand-me-down Star Wars toys that by the time I got them, they were beat up, they were missing, you know, weapons, what have you. And so, you know, that's all I had to play with for a while. And I remember vividly when the Power of the Force line came out, uh, being so excited. I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, look, the lightsabers, you know, are uh, translucent. That's amazing. They look like real lightsabers. And, you know, I kind of just overlooked the fact that they were just all roided out characters. Uh, but I absolutely loved it as a child. And, you know, it's really what got me heavily into Star Wars. I remember, you know, right around the time I started getting the figures, that's when the THX VHS sets came out. And, you know, it was just a magical time. Um, Probably the figure that I love the most. And it's the one I tell my wife that, you know, if I had to give up every Star Wars thing I had but could keep one item, what would it be? And would it probably be the Han Solo in Stormtrooper Disguise. I remember mailing away for that and waiting weeks upon weeks upon weeks. And I remember when it came in, I didn't really know it was the figure because it came in just this like unmarked white box i thought like somebody sent me like an inhaler or something and i remember opening it up and being so excited for this figure that was you know relatively free and you know it just brings back good memories and that's all i have to say really about the power of the horse line i love it i give it 10 out of 10 roided out luke skywalkers all right thanks guys (laughs) i'm sensing a theme here a lot of these. There really is something special about an action figure that's helmet comes off. It's, I think still to this day, if I have an action figure that the helmet comes off, it already has like a special place in my heart, like right from the beginning. Sabine Wren was one of the coolest Black Series figures, in my opinion. You know, it's like you have two figures. I switch it up all the time where I put her helmet on and take it off. And it's like two different figures. Like, what do I feel like? I don't know. Uh, why don't they make a Mandalorian with you take it off and he's got like the bloody nose P- Pedro Pascal underneath? Well, the uh, little known secret, the, the the Black Series Mandalorian that's out, the helmet does come off, but it only comes off when you're not in the room. <laughs> Unless you're not alive, then it will come <laughs> off. Okay, finally, here is one from Stephanie and Allison. Hi, Blast Points. This is Stephanie and Allison. 
And we are recording our Power of the Force stories together because as twin sisters, we shared all of our toys. So we shared our Power of the Force action figures, which we actually still have all of. um, And we are looking at them right now. Along with a few other not Power of the Force Star Wars memorabilia. Most of our stuff is Power of the Force because we first saw Star Wars uh, in 97, uh, the special editions, and the Christmas after that, we went and got, well, we got for Christmas a ton of action figures that were all Power of the Force ones because those were what were out at the time. Some of these are dated 1995, though, so I have a lot of questions about it Yeah, um, in terms of timelines, because I know we got these in Christmas of 97, Yeah, but some of these are from 95. The Luke Skywalker is the really, really buff and confusing Luke, Um, and we have the really buff and confusing Leia, New Hope Leia, and the extremely, like, broad-shouldered barrel-chested big Obi-Wan. Which is odd. (laughs) Um, Something kind of surprising is that I guess the Obi-Wan and the Darth Vader, who's also huge, but I guess he's supposed to be that way, so it's less weird. Look at his biceps. Yeah, that that is (laughs) something that wasn't a thing, I don't think. But So he has, um, they both had light-up lightsabers, which the lightsaber blades are not attached because our cat ate them both, but... It looks like they're holding flashlights, and they have buttons on their backs. The The lights still light up, so these batteries are shockingly competent. They are still operating with no change since 1997, yeah. which is very surprising. Yeah. Um, but I think the most important thing that we have to share is the... Uh, elaborate games that we used to play with all of these toys that we're looking at right now um, because we were weird kids. Yeah. So we played, um, it was almost kind of like a like a 70s family sitcom. It was a 70s family sitcom with a theme song yeah. that we would sing at the beginning of each one and it was kind of like a Star Wars Maybe kind of a Full House-esque mm-hmm. theme song. I don't really remember how it went, but we had it. And the plot of the ongoing series was that at some point, Luke and Han and Leia moved to Tatooine, and Leia works at a um, auto mechanic or like speeder yeah, mechanic she gets a shop. job at a mechanic. This all takes place after... I think right. the original and trilogy. Luke is off doing Jedi things, but Han Solo is just like a stay-at-home, not dad, because they didn't have a kid yet. He and just stays at home and watches sports. Yeah, there was, a, <laughs> there was a lot of like recurring sitcom plots. Yeah, domestic issues. Yeah, it was a, like, it was a choice game. Um, I remember that we also had a game going on... Um, I think it was like a spinoff that had to do with the Death Star uh, and like the various escapades of the Imperials on the Death Star. But we didn't have any Imperial figures. No. So, what so did, it was who, Darth Vader and then just we were imagining all the Imperials. Okay. 
Yeah, and there was like a, a lots of. Well, we had this small small trampoline, and we yes. imagined that D- Darth Vader had replaced his meditation chamber with a trampoline, a giant room size giant room size yeah. trampoline that he would require everyone to come jump with him on in order to talk with him, and he'd force choke them if they if they didn't trampoline with him. Yeah, we were odd children. But yes, we had a great time with all of our Power of the Force figures. Um, it's interesting because some of them are way less buff than others. Han here is... They got less buff over time. I think time. they did. They must have. All but, the ones that are dated 95 or 96 are like super buff, and then they started slimming down slowly yeah. over the years. Well, I mean, they were our primary Star Wars toys, and we still have all of them, so we were never... Like, huge action figure collectors, but we, of the ones that we had, we played with them a lot. We prized them. We prized them. And those were the Power of the Force ones. And we never really questioned why they looked so muscly and odd. We just accepted that's what they looked like. I think that internally we did. I think, yeah. We probably did. But it was the 90s. Everything was, like, extreme. I was questioning a lot of things. (laughs) All right, well, we're so excited that you guys are talking about Power of the Force, and uh, thanks for covering some awesome action figures that we actually had. We love Last Point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was incredible. That's, I think that sums it up right there. I think <laughs> there's nowhere else you can go. That's it right there. I think that's, that's the moral of the story right there. That's wonderful. Thank you, Stephanie and Allison. I'm going to try to come up with my own Star Wars sitcom theme song in my head when I'm laying in bed tonight. So the next time you hear somebody making fun of those muscle figures from 95, they mean a heck of a lot to a lot of people out there. And another toy secret, those toys didn't have batteries in them. The the lightsabers lit up by the power of the Force. That's, that's why they still work. Nobody does Star Wars like the power of the Force from Canada. The only universe with deluxe crowd control stormtroopers with thruster pack and capture claw. Han Solo geared up with smuggler flight pack. And Luke Skywalker with big battle action desert skin. And only Kenner brings you the full force and big detail of the Rebel Snowspeeder with blazing laser lights. And big movie sounds. Now you're playing with the power. Star Wars, power of the Force. Figures come with vehicles. Snowspeeder sold separately. Batteries not included. From Kenner. Jason and Gabe, it's uh, Taylor Gray, uh, excuse me, Ezra Bridger here, Spectre 6, uh, reporting into Blast Points Podcast. Just wanted to say what's up, and uh, may the force be with you. See you guys. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise.
All right, Apple Podcast Reviews. We've got a couple that we're going to read on an upcoming show really soon, and we're super excited to read them, but we could always use a couple more. So if you're listening to this on some sort of Apple something or other, when you're done listening, go over there, write something nice about the show, and we will read yours in an episode very soon. And make sure you check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if you are on Facebook, you better be in the Blast Point Super Chill Group. It's the place to be. It's Star Wars Celebration in there every day. If there's no celebration this month, you can go over there and it's kind of like celebration, kind of. Maybe. It's just like a, like a little tiny celebration. <laughs> and if you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army over there on Patreon with tons of bonus episodes, all of our old Mandalorian review episodes, all the Clone Wars stuff. And I think in the next couple weeks or so, we are going to have another commentary. And then we're just like months away from our Mandalorian shows starting back up again on Patreon, which is so soon. But that about wraps up episode 229 here. The power of the power of the force. Thank you, everyone, for sending in all those really awesome voice messages. We, We yeah, really made a smile. We love hearing that stuff. And yeah, we'll be back next week with more fun. So until then, thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. figure Han Solo disguised as a stormtrooper free with two proofs from Kellogg's Fruit Loop cereal may the force be with you I need a I need a podcast voice uh, well, you know uh, uh. <laughs> may the force be with